today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. One of the hardest things we have to do in life is to accept those times that it doesn't always turn out as miraculous as we'd like. That God is still on the throne, and God still loves us, and God is still good. Sometimes we connect His goodness with the results that we want. When we don't get the results we want, we think that God is not good. And that lie has been around since the Garden of Eden, because that's exactly what Satan wanted Eve to believe. Did God say that you can't eat from these trees? This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Acts. Throughout the book of Acts, we read about God's miraculous provision and deliverance of his people. However, we cannot romanticize the days of the apostles. Each of the people that preached the good news in those early days, aside from John, ultimately gave their life as martyrs for Christ. On those fateful last days, Jesus did not deliver his disciples from their suffering. In today's message, Pastor Gary reminds us that the Lord is good even if he chooses in his wisdom and sovereignty to not grant us the miracle we are hoping and praying for. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for today's message from the book of Acts, chapter 5. tells us in Proverbs 16, 6, that the fear of the Lord helps a man avoid evil. I mean, isn't that true? When we have a healthy fear of God, we're not going to want to sin against him as much. It's kind of like if you had a healthy respect and fear of your parents growing up, I mean, it was a great deterrent to doing some bad stuff. If you knew your parents, you could get by with stuff and your parents didn't care, you probably ran wild. So having a good fear of God is a good deterrent to not wanting to sin against him. And then number five, the first part of the verse in Proverbs 22, 4 also says humility. Humility and the fear of the Lord brings wealth, honor, and life. So I'll just keep those up there if you're taking notes um, uh, through the rest of the Bible study. But, but what we see happening in the church here is they, they got a good healthy dose of the fear of the Lord. And it would be important because that fear of the Lord would keep them... Uh, more pure, uh, more, more uh, filled with integrity and character. And it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a spillover effect here. You'll see, in fact, in fact uh, jump over to chapter 9. I just want to show you there's a phrase in chapter 9 where the topic is revisited again. And so maybe when we get to chapter 9, I'll forget to say it. So let me say it now. In chapter 9, verse 31, it says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace, it was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. So we see this is not just a one-time thing, but we begin to see the church here had a healthy fear of God. And, and they grew. They grew numerically. They grew spiritually. But they had a fear of the Lord. 
and so should we. Back here in chapter 5. So Ananias and Sapphira have now died. It's been a strong lesson to the early church. And then in verse 12, back in chapter 5, verse 12, it says, The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Okay, so the gifts of the Spirit are flowing through the apostles. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade there in Jerusalem. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Now, now notice, that's, in, that's the direct result of the fear of the God that had, had spread among the people. So people didn't just join this because they just thought, well, this would kind of be a fancy group to join. You know, because now people are noticing, if I join this group, I might be killed. So I better take this really, really seriously. Really seriously. But I love the next verse. Verse 14 says, Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. So when you take verses 13 and 14 together, what it says is the people were very serious. So not just anybody like, well, yeah, I just want to, you look like you guys have a fun thing going. We're going to join you. No, they, they, they took it very, very seriously. Nevertheless, the numbers continued to grow of the early church. I find it interesting in that, unfortunately, it's my personal observation that I think that there's a trend in some churches where it's, it seems to be that people think that Christ will be more appealing if we dumb things down and if we water down the gospel and if we just lower the bar. And I want you to notice here that the bar got raised really high. You start messing with God, God could kill you. Take God seriously. Take this Christian faith seriously. Take your walk with Christ seriously. The bar was raised and look, the church began to grow. So I, I'm not one of these that thinks we just need to dumb it down. I think we need to, to be loving, obviously, but we need to be serious. We need to be sober-minded, and we need to tell people the truth even when the truth hurts. And, and that's because of what Jesus said. You know, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free, and he means that in the most eternal, life-changing way. And we have no time to dumb down the gospel and to lower the bar, raise the bar. This is what happens here. And as they raise the bar, people took it seriously, but the church grew. The church grew because truth was being declared and the bar was being raised here. Now, it goes on here to say some, some pretty fascinating things. Verse 15, as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Isn't that incredible? That even Peter's shadow, uh, God used to perform miracles here. Verse 16, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, demons, and all of them were healed. So we see now the early church here and the apostles in particular, they, they are filled with the Spirit. They have the gifts of the Spirit. So we see signs and wonders and miracles being performed and word gets out. Word travels fast when people are being healed in miraculous ways. So now you got you got people from all kinds of towns around Jerusalem bringing their sick and their demon-possessed, and all of them were healed. And then it says, verse 17, Then the high priest, and notice what we're going to see opposition here from those who don't like what's going on. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. Isn't that pitiful? Instead of being happy for what's going on in the kingdom, they became jealous because more people were turning to, to the Lord through the work of the apostles than to the religious leaders who, by and large, had rejected Jesus. So now they're jealous. Verse 18 says that they 
arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. That's pretty amazing. Uh, The last time we saw an angel mentioned was back in chapter 1 when uh, Jesus ascended into heaven and, uh, and suddenly two angels appeared and spoke to the disciples, you know, why do you stand here gazing into heaven and Jesus is going to come back the same way that he, that he went. Uh, now you have here an angel of the Lord uh, that God sends to let the apostles go out of jail. So, so God's bringing them from jail, all right? And... Um, they they get out of, they get out of, they got to get out of jail free card. What I what I find interesting here is that the word from the Lord through this angel is get back out there and tell the good news. Get back out there. Don't don't let them shut you up. You you've now I you're now free. Go back to the Temple Square area and tell the people the good news. You know it, there's none of this. You know, you just better be on, on, on the down low for a few days, okay? Because they're going to haul you back in here to jail. No, let's get right back out there and tell people the good news of this new life. Now, at this point, you know, some of you might look at this and think, you know, how wonderful that God sent an angel and, you know, open up the prison door. And I think at some point or another, all of us have probably said, you know, I want, I want that angel. I want that angel to show up at my house and fix this problem and fix that problem. And I want, I want to see an angel do this or do that. A difficulty in Scripture does not always result in some providential miracle. You know, when you look at these apostles, okay, it doesn't say who. Now, in a moment, it's going to tell us Peter speaks on their behalf. But it seems to indicate that all the apostles... These are all the apostles, and they're all thrown in jail. But when you look at history, and you look at what happened to all these apostles, except for John, the apostle, this is historically speaking, we don't have any record in Scripture about how they died. But except for the apostle John, who church history says they tried to kill by by putting him in a boiling cauldron of oil, and he survived, ended up living out his life in his old age and dying of a natural death, you know, he's the one who gets inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the book of Revelation on the island of Patmos. Some, some say he died on Patmos. Some say that he was later released and, and didn't die there. But other than him, Matthew was beheaded with a sword. This is according to church history. Mark died in Alexandria after being dragged through the city. Luke was hanged from an olive tree in Greece. Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. James was beheaded in Jerusalem. Philip was hanged. Bartholomew was whipped and then beaten to death. Andrew was crucified while preaching at the top of his voice to his persecutors. Thomas was run through with a spear. Jude was executed with a spear. Paul was beheaded in Rome. Where was their angel then? In other words, God has a purpose in our lives even when he does not deliver by miraculous means. You cannot look at the way that these guys died and think, was God asleep? You know, he used an angel to set him free here, and he did something miraculous. Why didn't he spare them those kind of cruel and horrible deaths? 
You know, we're not always going to know the whys behind everything, but one thing we need to hold on to is that sometimes God works miraculously, and sometimes his purposes are still fulfilled even when he does not deliver in miraculous ways. He's still God. And we need to hold on to that. This is, this is, this is not something that we need to think about in terms of disparaging on God's character. You know, wasn't this wonderful? He sent an angel here and delivered them. Yeah, well, but they all died a pretty painful death. And you can't, you can't look at the way that they died and think that God didn't care and that, and that God wasn't present and God wasn't working in their lives. It's just that sometimes his purposes are fulfilled in the miraculous and in the not-so-miraculous. And one of the hardest things we have to do in life is to accept those times that it doesn't always turn out as miraculous as we'd like. That God is still on the throne and God still loves us and God is still good. Sometimes we connect his goodness with the results that we want. When we don't get the results we want, we think that God is not good. And that lie has been around since the Garden of Eden. Because that's exactly what Satan wanted Eve to believe. Did God say that you can't eat from these trees? Did God really say that? God's not that good, is he? Now he twisted what God had said. Because God had actually said they were free to eat from all the trees in the garden except for the one. And the only reason God put the one in the tree and said, don't eat of it, for in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. The only reason he put that one tree in the garden was to offer the gift of free choice so that we would come to God by way of our will and our choice rather than something robotic out of the law. God loves us that he wants to have relationship with us. You can't have relationship with someone if you're forced or compelled to against your will to, to be somehow connected to them. But otherwise, God gave them freedom and choice, and it was a wonderful garden opportunity. Satan comes along and twists it and basically tried to convince Eve that God is not good and he's holding back on you. And we can't allow that game to be played in our own head, that when things don't go according to plan or when the miracle doesn't show up and the angel doesn't show up for us, we somehow think God is not good and God does not care. God is good and God cares all the time. And he works out his purposes miraculously and sometimes through the events that are not so miraculous. But that doesn't change who God is. He is good and loving and he's our father who cares for us. And these men, even as they died painful deaths of martyrs, still served the same God and loved the same God who sent the angel to set them free from prison. So look not at the results always. Put your faith in who God is, in his character and nature as your loving father, and leave the results up to him. All of us want the miraculous results. All of us can pray for the miraculous results. And I believe that God will, from time to time, give miraculous results. All I'm saying is, don't always look at the results to define who God is. Because God is at work in all situations. Well... They go out there and, and they're told to preach the full message of this new life. Please make a note. The angel tells them, you go out there and you tell them the good news. Basically, you preach the gospel. There's only one time in all of the Bible where an angel preaches the gospel. All other times, it is the duty and privilege of mankind to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only one example of an angel declaring the gospel is Revelation 14, verse 6, when it tells us that God dispatches an angel to go around the world and to declare the gospel 
as he, as he flies around the world, as the angel then goes around the world declaring the gospel. Why? So that as many people as possible might be saved. And I believe that the reason only then that an angel has the privilege of sharing the gospel is because the church has been raptured before Revelation 14. And so the church being absent then, by and large, the messengers, the true messengers that God has called to deliver the gospel, not angels, but you and me. God has chosen to use us to declare the good news of who he is. So may we be faithful to get out there in the public square and to tell people of this new life. Amen? Let's keep reading. We have a few more minutes. Well, the rest of verse 21. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the sea, they don't know that the apostles are gone, but on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. Then someone came and said, look... The men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. And at that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. Okay, so the apostles are pretty popular. I mean, you know, they're being used by God to heal people and cast out demons. And so they're, they're getting popular with the people in this regard. So the officers come and they're like, we're not going to use force because they're really well liked. We're going to be very diplomatic here. Why don't you guys come with us? Would you come with us down to the station, please? And so they go, they go back. Verse 27, having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. Now, now notice the question here. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. All right, it's not really a question, but notice their statement. Notice what they did not ask. What's the question they should have asked? How'd you get out of jail? How'd you guys get out of jail? I mean, by now, they're just realizing, man, there's some weird things are happening around here. We don't understand. You know, they're, they're blind to what's going on. So they're like, we gave you strict orders. We told you not to go out there and preach, preach in his name. You, what's going on here? And don't you love Peter's answer? Verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. Underline that in your Bibles. We must obey God rather than men. It's wonderful when the authority of man lines up with the authority of God on the job or in our country or whatever the deal is. But folks, whenever the authority of man contradicts the higher authority of God, always go with the higher authority of God, always. I mean, always go with the authority of God no matter what. But it's easy, for example, on the job to do what your boss says if your boss asks you to do something that is right and proper and God-honoring. The moment you get asked to do something that is deceitful, why don't you fudge the numbers on, on, this, on this year's sales report? You know, why, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? The moment you're asked to do something that conflicts with always the higher authority of God, you must obey God rather than men. And there might be a price to pay, but it, it's a worse price in the long run to dishonor God, and you won't like yourself if you do. So, you know, sometimes we make decisions for short-term gain that has long-term consequences. Don't live your life for short-term gain. Live your life for the long-term bigger picture and always supremely do it 
to honor God. Let's finish out the chapter. This is a pretty straight story. Verse 30, the, the God of our fathers, Peter keeps saying, the God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So Peter just gives them the gospel message there. Next verse, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, now we're going to find that Gamaliel is a mentor of Paul's later in Acts chapter 22. A Pharisee named Gamaliel, he's going to speak words of wisdom here. A teacher of the law who was honored by all the people stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while because he wanted to have some privacy to talk here. And then he addressed them, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census. This is not, this is not Judas Iscariot, this is a different guy. Appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were, were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Isn't that good wisdom? And he's one of their own, so they respect him. He's well-respected in the day. And he says, you know, if God is behind this, you're not going to be able to stop it. And if he's not behind it, it's going to die out on its own anyway. So just let these guys go. I mean, it was wisdom, but it also, it also was a catalyst to the church just taking off because... Because God is behind all of this. And his speech persuaded them, at least for the most part, because it says they called the apostles in and at least beat them a little bit. We're going to give you a good beating and send you away. They flogged them, and then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And then in parentheses, I think it should say that they said whatever. And... Uh, <laughs> And verse 41, I know you're not supposed to add anything to Scripture. I'm just like, that's a commentary, not an addition to Scripture. Verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news. That's the gospel, that Jesus is the Christ. Isn't that good stuff? He said, you know, we, 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 we consider it, a, this is a badge of honor for us to be beaten and abused and mistreated because we're just being numbered with Jesus. We're suffering disgrace for the name. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 11 and 12, rejoice when people persecute you, insult you, and speak all manner of evil against you. Rejoice and be glad for great is your reward in heaven for in the same ways they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus said, listen, get, get ready because people are going to insult you. They're going to persecute you. They're going to say all kinds of false things about you. He said, for my name's sake. And look, may we wear it as a badge of honor because we love the Lord Jesus. Amen.
There's much more to glean from the pages of Acts and the history of the early church, but we'll pause our journey through it for today. Join us next time as Pastor Gary continues to share the the power of the Holy Spirit with us. If you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Connection, Pastor Gary, or the church these messages originate from, we encourage you to visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. Browse through our archive of previous messages while you're there and feel free to share them with friends and family. Download our mobile app as well to keep God's Word with you as you go about your daily activities. Pastor Gary has also made available a study guide to accompany his series in Acts. You can find this digital booklet in Companion Resources under the Teachings tab. Do you live in the Leesburg area or will you be visiting in the near future? If so, we'd like to extend an invitation to join us for our weekly gatherings. We meet each Sunday and Wednesday to spend time in prayer and worship and studying the Bible. Visit cornerstoneconnection.cc for service times, more information, and directions. If you can't join us in person, don't worry. We live stream our services. Just click the link under the teachings tab. Thanks for joining us today. And be sure to tune in again for another edition of Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul. That you've got no place to go. But still you know.